Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 12th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat as we continue our discussion over the lore book, The Liar. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who've signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is the frantically typing in chat... Green-eyed music lover. And last but definitely not the least, in the hot seat as guest co or I guess the cool seat as guest co-host, we have our good friend, the Ice Warrior. Ice Warrior, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Pretty chill. <laughs> but uh, he, the pun. He started it. He started it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Dad jokes no, abound. Worry. I'm a dad. I'm used to it. I, I'm, I'm a master when it comes to puns, so... <laughs> It's Stasis Warrior, according to Danton Guru. Excuse me. <laughs> it's Stasis Warrior. You could claim that name. I bet that name's available. To be honest, it doesn't sound too bad. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, look, when it comes to this kind of thing, I guess you could say you definitely wouldn't be calling me a liar. Ha! <laughs> Jokes. We got some. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to lord that over you you know I actually used that the other day as a stream title and pissed off half of the internet so yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this, this is gonna be fun when twitter rolls its eyes at you you're like hey now why is it okay when everybody else does it <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I, I've, I've done it to log quite a few times already. He kind of knows whenever I'm going to comment on any of his stuff, it's gonna be, uh-huh. it's gonna be pun related. I like it. <laughs> Pino would be proud too. <laughs> well, All enough, right, enough chatter. Let's jump into it. I think we have six entries for this this session, right? I'm gonna close mm-hmm. out the lore book, uh, and we'll start with the search. Uh, Ice Warrior, do you want to grab that one and? Certainly. We'll we'll begin. The search. Don't understand what you hope to get out of this, Felspring said stiffly, as Phil went to search to Seraph Bunker. Golden Age weapons of every shape and size lined the walls. Some of them were clearly non-functional from age and disuse. Others looked pristine, save for the dust. If anything, she went on, you're just putting us back on his radar. When we stayed on the mountain, he stopped bothering us. When Felwinter didn't reply... Fellspring bunched her shell and asked, more pointedly, Is this really because of what she said? Felwinter picked up one of the weapons, a massive grenade launcher. Who? Fellspring did an incredulous spin. Who? Who? Felwinter glanced at her, then glanced back, oh, then back at the grenade launcher. He held it up as if he were aiming at the wall, and then set it aside, and went to pick up a scout rifle, examining it 
and examining its scope. For a while, Felspring just watched him. Eventually, she flew to his side again and said, This isn't what they need, you know. When he paused to look at her, she went on. Weapons. There's enough of that out there already. His expression remained uncomprehending. And Felspring sighed. The Golden Age was a time of peace and prosperity. Right, Felwinter said. They built things. They didn't tear them down. At his continued silence, Felspring floated around to his other side. Think about it. It was the greatest expansion in, in humanity's history. Cities sprung up like weeds. Impressive cities. It all happened really fast. She paused. Huh. Actually, I have no idea how they did that. Felwinter stared at the scalp rifle in his hands. Labor frames? Sure, but even that wouldn't have been enough. And it wouldn't have helped them terraform Titan on their own. They must have had some kind of tech, something to help them build. Felwinter nodded and set down the scarf rifle. So where is that technology? Felspring floated over to one of the computer terminals, inspecting the glowing controls. That's what I'm wondering, too. It's really good to see here um, that Felwinter at this point, he's, he's left the mountain, he's off, he's in search of something that can help humanity, something he can actually do after, after his conversation with Arthur. And it does a really good job here of slowly just trickling in um, a setup for Siva, which is which is just brilliant. I love it. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, Blue. Did you have anything else on this one? I think this one's fairly straightforward. Yeah, as I mean, to what's the, happening. the biggest thing for here is just again the um, the connection to again reiterating that Arthi's message and lesson for Felwinter was so powerful that it actually galvanized him to leave the mountain you know it it's he he had done all this stuff to find his way to that to i think it's vostok basically but like he Mm. had gotten that mountain finally and he was like completely secure completely happy at the top and then she makes that one question and it's like an earworm in him you know it's just it's there um (laughs) i also love felspring who who <laughs> she's like really we're gonna play that game <laughs> but no that's that was that was pretty much the big thing for me for this one that and also the the uh the hook <laughs> is getting set that will come oh, yeah. back just a bit blue are you ready though, to... like oh, okay. i was just, i was just gonna say just um before we continue Ghosts have this rhetoric. They constantly are going, yep, okay, Golden Age was great, humanity's awesome, travel is great, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then, oh, I actually don't know why they're great. I don't know how or why they did the things they did. I just know, oh, the Golden Age is awesome. And then they just don't know anything else about that at that point. Um, and, and he kind of just goes, oh, okay, well, what can we find out about this? What can we do about this? Um, yeah, I just found that really interesting. I yeah, it's, agree. It's like someone, someone who's been spoon-fed propaganda is finally waking up and being like, but wait, hang on. Well, I mean... Why do like we all said, get size ghost, 8 shoes? Ghost, right, but Ghost has always been this kind of carrier of information that is so wish-washed down that you have actually no proof of what they're saying. You just have this mantra said over and over until you believe it. And it's like... I'm sorry, I don't understand why. And then the other thing is, the speakers also had those lines that kind of filter in. Granted, some of the speakers were told it by ghosts, but some of them were definitely fed that from um, just 
the the traveler visions and everything. All right, mm. Lou, are you ready for Siddhartha and the code? Yeah. Now, do you want me to read the code itself, or do you want me to just? I want you to do it however you want to do it because I have no idea how I would read this. <laughs> I do not. In a robot voice. Do it in a robot voice. Do I have my? I, I mean, don't he know has that I... ability with I, we have the technology. Oh my god! I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Is this acceptable? Oh lord! Yes. <laughs> do it. Do it. Put the accent on. This is gonna be great. This is a subtle asset imperative. No human review. No AI.com review. Secure Autark. Initiate Thidhartha Gaulum. Upload at DSC 342 to assess integrity of moral structures. Stand by for criteria. Under passage, Opsilus Sidereal. If Nanobi Sonder is ivory. If Hammurabi is active and passes human review under context Turing. If Dura Dahana is in failure and passes AICOM review under context IDES, set Spectrum certification to Smargden. Else, stand by for contingent action order. Set Spectrum certification to Amrathane. Initiate human review unless tactical morality is built at midnight. Experience is the teacher of all things. Siddhartha Gollum detected in sector OR41S. Reactivation conditions unknown. Siddhartha Gollum identified with O. Energy signature. Automated remote asset seizure failed. Automated remote injection of wetware payload Helminth failed. Automated remote injection of hardware payload Catacomb failed. I am invoking Absalon Knife. Upon execution, all affected assets resume long hold at midnight exigent. And weep the more, because I weep in vain. All right, so which is the first one of the directives that you want to jump into? So I guess the big the big first thing is um, the, fir- the first – so there, there's, there's actually two things here. Uh, there's two command prompts. There is the first one, which is the long number, but it ends with B120. Uh, this is an immediate, in- immediate action order from a golem in, uh, interrogative. So basically, what is going on here, and this is this is actually we find out a a line of code that was actually run during the Golden Age, um, and what's really going on here is that it is initiating a asset that is known as the Siddhartha Golem uh, to basically go in and collect and review the moral imperatives and moral structures of the Warmind Rasputin. Uh, the analysis of the moral structures is given basically four if-then statements. Um, and what's what's going on here is it says under passage, obsolete side reel. It has if, if, if. And so then if all these are true, it says set certification to a word that says smargin. Smargin is actually a, terminal, a term that means the color of emeralds. So it's basically setting it to green. Um, another one that's really, quo- uh, really quick is... Uh, Amarathane is a word for, it's basically red. Uh, get actual definition for you guys. Um, Amarathane is of or like the amaranth, which is a flower. It's unfading, everlasting, uh, of purplish red color. So it's basically red status, green status, pass, fail, um, which, is nor- is, which is very common with if-then statements. It's a binary 
binary logic. So if Nanobi Sonder, which I love the word Sonder, I'm going to come back to it in just a second. If that is set to Ivory, um, then go and check if uh, Hammurabi is active and passes human review under context Turing. Now, the important part here is that this is all being done by the Siddhartha Golem, which is not a human. However, the call out to Turing goes back to a Turing test, which is when you have an AI that can pass as a human. So what this is basically, what I'm understanding this to say, is that the Siddhartha Golem is responsible for reviewing the moral structures, and as far as it can tell with the fact that it is a passing a Turing test, it is basically in place of a human review, reviewing the Hammurabi code. Um, so basically the Golem is doing a self-analysis of it. Uh, Dura Dahana is in failure and passes AI com review. So this is something that will pass uh, Rasputin's review. Uh, Dira Dahana is a major antagonist in the Hindu epic uh, Mahabharata and is the eldest of the, I don't even know how to pronounce this word, I'm going to try, Karanas, uh, which are basically uh, a large group of individuals who basically were the antagonist of the entire epic. Um, so if it passes that, or if it's in failure and it passes the review under context IDES, then if all three of those if statements say yes, set the spectrum certification to green. So basically, okay, we're good. However, if any of these three do not pass, you need to, he says, stand by for contingent action order, which is set the spectrum certification to red and initiate human review, unless tactical morality is built at midnight so this is all going on during the golden age and so he has rasputin has not yet enacted midnight exigent so anytime any of these things would have failed it would have flagged it basically would have come up and it would have flagged it and said hey there needs to be a human review on this decision or this this situation um so what what happens what what is going on here is that you see that the siddhartha golem is initiated prior to the collapse. And that's important for something that I'm going to bring up later. But he also shuts it down. Like he, he's he's basically saying, okay, stop, 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 you know, which is the common end, uh, end command prompt for Rasputin's code. So, so then the next part, which is, so again, remember there's two code structures here. The next part is what's referred to as the coronary mirror sheared. Um, a coronary is the, the group of arteries that is around and supplies the heart with blood. A mirror shear is basically, it's basically a cutting instrument. Uh, a lot of times you'll see uh, hair cutter, uh, hair shears. They are referred to as mirror shears because they're, I'm a, I, from the best I can tell, it's because of the, the aesthetics of them, but it's also because they are so finely aligned with each other that they can, they can shear those hairs. Um, so coronary mirror shear is basically something has cut the artery that's initiating this entire thing. So and then you go down and you say AICOM Rasputin assets force con imperative. So something is going on with an asset. It's imperative. It's an immediate action order. So this is something that, again, something's fired off. This is a red flag. It needs to be addressed immediately. It goes on to say Siddhartha Gollum detected in sector OR41S. Now, I don't, we don't really know where OR41S is, or at least I don't know off the top of my head. But the big thing here is that he is detecting the Gollum's action or activity. He has not initiated the Gollum. So 
he's responding with okay and remember the golem is really the 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 heart of rasputin's self-analysis of his moral moral confines so he is a, he's acknowledging that there has been something that has literally hacked one of his biggest issue, one of his biggest assurances that he is doing the right thing he goes on to say reactivation con- conditions unknown and then he he notes that the golem is identified with o which is usually Ras- which is code in rasputin for the traveler or light o ignature, energy signature so then he's like oh okay so it's reactivated it's been reactivated by the light he's like okay automated remote asset seizure so basically he's he's doing a preliminary that's mine please give me back um and it fails so then he goes okay automated remote injection of wet wetware payload uh so basically he is installing some software a helminth is a very small worm uh so basically it's a trojan horse uh, he is trying to hack back into his asset that has been stolen, and it fails. So then he's like, okay, fine. Automated remote injection of hardware payload, catacomb. And catacomb, as many people probably are familiar with, is a underground... Basically, it's a cemetery that is underground. Uh, one of the big things with catacombs is they have galleries where you can actually see the deceased and the buried. Um, but so basically, it's it's... What you're seeing here is an escalation of his responses to having this golem stolen from his experience, stolen from him. At the end of it, he invokes Absalom Knife. Okay, so the big thing here is Absalom. Knife is, I mean, everyone kind of knows what a knife is. I'm not going to pretend like you don't know what knife is. But Absalom is the third son of David uh, from within the Judaic tradition and the Bible. And the big thing with Absalom is, so Absalom, the name means father of peace. He was the third son of David who rebelled against his father. And, and the big thing with Absalom was he was very similar to uh, what Green will probably talk about with Siddhartha. Uh, he was a, he was a character that didn't want for anything. He was regarded as the most uh, handsome man in the, the land. He really kind of had everything at his fingertips, and basically, it was through that pride he re- he rebelled against his father. And even in his rebellion, his uh, David kind of was like, "I don't want harm to fall to him." Well, what happens is through a series of misfortunate events, um, Absalom is actually killed in uh, in the forest during a battle, and. He's he's basically killed by a general, if I remember correctly. Uh, he is run through by a spear uh, while he gets he gets trapped in a tree. It's a it's a really interesting story. But it, the big thing is that Absalom is the beloved son of a king who betrays that king, and because of that, that ultimately leads to his death. So when you see Absalom knife upon execution, all affected assets resume long hold. What he is saying is okay. I have tried all the things that I can try to bring him back into the fold. They have failed. We now have to eliminate the threat that this rogue golem is presenting to us. Because again, remember, the Siddhartha golem is the heart of Rasputin as far as the assurance that he is following his moral imperatives. If that gets compromised, then basically Rasputin doesn't know if he's actually following his moral imperatives. And he can be manipulated because he doesn't have that. So he is 
He is removing the threat from the field, which is where we get the first half of this book where you see Felwinter being chased all the time. That's what's happening is, and that's where, again, you get the quote, and weep the more because I weep in vain. Rasputin doesn't want to do this. He actually has tried multiple times to bring the golem, which we will later find, or the next card will actually get confirmation, is Felwinter, to bring him back in. But because of the resurrection process with the ghost and with the light, he's been not able to do that. Yeah. Okay, so... Should I wait to talk about the Siddhartha story? I mean, we kind of went over it a couple weeks ago in The Fell Winter's Lie, but for anybody who may not necessarily have listened to that one, uh, Siddhartha Gautama is the most, not necessarily most popular, but probably the more well-known in the West, at least, of the stories of the Buddha. And he was a prince who basically was never exposed to any sort of pain or anything like that and he was he made his way down to a marketplace type situation and saw pain and death and discomfort for the first time ever in the image of an old man never even saw age and it completely changed his life he decided that he would go amongst the people and he'd forsake all of his princely abilities and wealth and everything going on with that and just go down into the people which is what we see with Felwinter himself Felwinter is sent down amongst the people which i think is actually this next card where we're going to talk about it in the discovery ice did you have anything on the siddhartha gotham or siddhartha golem card before i go ahead and read the discovery um not really too much i mean the, he really did a completely really good job of covering all that um, mm-hmm. It's just a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting lore card, and most of most of Rasputin's are, but they can for for the uninitiated, they can be just really hard to read. As long as you can, as long as you know the tricks to reading his um, lore cards, they end up having some of the most interesting um, parts of his story, um, and and just as um, what was happening in the Golden Dark Ages in general. So. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I do have I do have one thing real quick. Uh, big shout out to Black Flag. O R is old Russia, uh, so thank you for that. That um, mm-hmm. and then dancing Veru actually also has a point. Uh, there is a jump ship floor tab for unsecured outcry that mentions a Kalki golem, Kal Kalki mm-hmm. golem. So this is not the only golem that we have seen referenced in the lore, which is. A whole different tangent that I'm not going to go down. Yeah, that would be interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the discovery. For weeks, Fellwinter and Fellspring search out Seraph bunkers trying to find remnants of the technology that built a Golden Age utopia. One night, they camped in a Seraph bunker and spent hours poring over transcripts of old code. This is weird, Fellspring said, and projected a display of a long string of code. Look, in the Golden Age, Rasputin executes a protocol called Siddhartha Golem. No idea what that is, what it is. Some kind of knowledge gathering? It's, it gathers a bunch of transcripts, conversations with humans, recordings of music, a huge database of literature. She whirred, and the projection flipped through thousands of words of code, then stopped again. Here, early Dark Age, a submind of an old Russia says Siddhartha Golem is active and gone rogue. Her voice dropped. Around the time I found you. Felwinter studied the code. It was almost like sight reading. 
Not quite effortless, but like a native tongue he'd forgotten. But what is Siddhartha Golem? he murmured. Bellspring zipped back and forth through the code again at a nervous, stuttering pace, then stopped it. Then scrolled through the code again, stopped, scrolled again, stopped. Wait. Her voice quivered just a little. See that? This is the first time Siddhartha Golem is mentioned. It... She paused. Then it went on quieter. It says, Initiate Siddhartha Golem. Upload at... DSC-342, a beat. DSC, Bellwinter. Bellwinter was silent, thinking, uncomprehending. DSC, he asked quietly. Deepstone Crypt. She was almost whispering now. Siddhartha Golem was an exo. Bellwinter looked down at himself, at his hands. He turned them over, studying the worn metal of his palms. The silence filled the bunker, nearly to bursting. To Fellwinter. It felt like years until either of them spoke again. The whole time, Fellspring watched him, frozen in air. He's you, she whispered. I love some of the things that we get out of this card. I love how we get confirmation of uh, Deepstone Crypt having uh, the upload happen at the Deepstone Crypt. Or within the Deepstone Crypt, possibly, if it's not a location, which I'm still... I'm more on the fence that it's a location now that we have Europa, but at least a protocol. And then we actually get a confirmation that the name that the ghost gives him is actually the name that is given to him prior to his initial death, which is absolutely fascinating to me that the ghost is able to pull that information out. makes you wonder if our Various characters throughout the game were actually named that in their primary lives before they died. Well, I so real quick on that one, I read that a little bit differently. Again, this reminds me of our conversation with with uh, Forest, but I actually mm-hmm. read that as her saying DSC Fellwinter, like kind of like you know, like mm. uh, like a prompting, like hey, doesn't that you know, don't you know what that means? Um, but because I maybe. And the only reason I the only I, the only reason I kind of read that is because in Winter's Guile, um, he Fellwinter remembers Deepstone Crypt processing. Like he he mm-hmm. makes a comment because he can't remember anything, and he's like, "Did something go wrong with the Deepstone Crypt processing?" And so I think mm-hmm. the, so I remember that my connection there was like she's like, "Yeah, DSC, get it?" And he's like, "I don't like <laughs> Deepstone Crypt," and he's like, "Uh," and that's where like the because then he's like looking at his hands and he's like, you know, I, I yeah, that's uh, that's how I read it. I didn't actually read it. At, I think I can see it as you said it. DSC fell winter. Whether or not it's just part of the actual designation, because it's DSC three four two is the designation. Nope. Yeah, Which I don't know if there's a nickname. Will be like him, like his designation as DSC three four two, but that could also. It could also be a reference to maybe it's uh, an outpost of the Deepstone Crypt, possibly having something to do with that. Um, I don't know, um, but when it comes when it comes to his name, I, I'm more inclined to go with um, the how Blue said it. I was just oh, you know, Deepstone Crypt, Fellwinter, um, because he, he does he does state that he can't remember his name, but the name that he gets given doesn't. It doesn't feel like his. Not, right. not just in the beginning, beginning part one, but it 
Winter's Guy. Is it in Winter's Guy? Yeah, it's, it's in Winter's, Winter's Guy. Guy. He's yeah, like, yeah. that's not my yeah. name. And she's like, like, no, but you're going to say it is, basically. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. But even that's even that like Winter's Guile seems a bit um a bit off given what we know now um because the ghost is like well you know you you need to tell people it's your name but effectively saying you you can't tell people your real name and it almost seems like the ghost actually knows at that point um but then obviously we find out later on so yeah mm-hmm. blue. Do you have any final thoughts? No, uh, that's. I mean, that's really my big thing was the 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 code structure. Um, it just reading, like getting a chance to dig into that a little bit earlier today. I was I was sitting there and I was like, you know, this actually this actually puts a lot more context into what was going on with Rasputin and Fellwinter. Um, because if you look at it, I mean, Fellwinter basically, I think Dino was saying this earlier in chat. But it's basically like, you know, he is he's got the keys to the kingdom like this is this is something that Rasputin can't have him just running around because it's basically he has the capacity to to manipulate or even potentially shut down Rasputin. And that's a threat that just, you know, Warmind's not going to let loose. So it kind of like and, and but you also see, you know, the other thing that I really like about it is like you see the the escalation of his attempts like he doesn't he doesn't just immediately you know it's easy to say oh he just immediately jumps to throwing war sets at him because we see it from Fellwinter's perspective and that's kind of what happens but then when we see it from rasputin's thing you know we see he's like okay i need that back no no i really need that back no like i i need that like he tries like three or four times to be like i don't that's not gonna work like <laughs> we need you to come back and then it's finally when all those fail, he's like, all right, well, and then, you know, that's the quote, I weep in vain. He's like, I, I, there's no other option at this point for him. He has to, he has to eliminate that threat. I have a question for both of you guys, and this is just a random thought, thought game. The fact that Fellwinter was sent out to gather all the different information, conversations, music, mm-hmm. literature, would Anna know Fellwinter? In the Golden Age, as Anna be Bray before the Guardian, be, yeah, because I think I kind of took it as he was one of the echoes. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, ish. Ish is my qualifier there. I, oh. I would say that he would be again. The thing that I keep coming back to with Fellwinter is that if all this yeah. is is you know accurate, Fellwinter is confirmation that exos can exist without being digitized humans because. Fellwinter does not come from a human. He comes from an AI. Well, right, but the thing that I wonder is if the exobody was just the shell, or if there was a human consciousness in there to help sustain the AI itself emerging. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It it definitely it definitely lends towards um, either either option there. There very well could be either option. I mean, when Rasputin is talking about a human review, it could very well be the, the human um, consciousness inside the exo body that houses Rasputin's, well, you know, a, a subset of Rasputin's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think, would probably be just as interesting as having a version of Rasputin having agency the way that Fellwinter does. Oh, my goodness, Black Flag. God, I hope not. <laughs> Mountain Bray. Oh, 
No. But it's yeah, it's interesting. But they might I mean, well they might well know each other. I, I, I totally could see pre like pre fell winter fell winter. <laughs> the golem. I totally see the golem probably having been known to the golden age equivalent of Anna, you know, the Bray family. I could see that totally. Um I mean it's almost like you could also see him as a potential um medium through which they interacted. I mean, for all we know, the right. Siddhartha Golem could be how Anna Bray taught Rasputin that stuff. That's what I'm thinking. That uh, he was the one who gathered the information and the conversations and for Anna it. and then processed yeah. it for Rasputin was able to humanize him, which is probably why Rasputin has more of those human like aspects than anything else it's fell winter help give him that well anna, anna does speak about um you know, well, it does say in the web law that she has been going around and trying to hunt down um clover spray's atlas and um she speaks about having her own uh her own um, diary and whatnot it'll be it'll be interesting to see if she had mentioned or remembered anything regarding Regarding Felwinter, regarding the Siddhartha Golem, or really any of the others as well, because because of her intense involvement with Rasputin, it would be interesting. She doesn't mm-hmm. state it anywhere that she knows him or knows of mm-hmm. him, but maybe she does. I think we should actually move into the the meeting of the Iron Lords. Ooh. Would you like to take that on, Ice? I would be more than happy to. Thank you. The Iron Lord. He wants to join us, Timur said to Radagast. Felwinter stood next to him. Silent. Unreadable. Unlike other exos Radagast had seen, he didn't seem to have any emotion mods beyond the factory setting defaults. It was unnerving. Radagast tipped his chin to Felwinter. Timur says you have an interest in the Golden Age. In the war mind, Timur said. Rasputin. Felwinter said nothing. What brought you to us? Radagast asked. Felwinter glanced at Timur and then back at Radagast. Your friend here told me about the nanotech you're looking for. Siva. He paused. It sounds too good to be true, but I want to help you find it. Radagast studied him, and then finally nodded. Any civilians on your mountain? A little settlement at the bottom. We think the mountain would make a good place for our base of operations. Funny, Felwinter said, without any trace of humour. I said the same thing to myself years ago. Radagast snorted. Though... Would you give up the peak for the cause? If I do, do my people get the protection of the Iron Lords? Tamur slaps Felwinter on the back, a giant hand hitting an immovable object, and Radagast smiled. Just a little. Let me take you to Saladin, he said. He'll tell you about the city. We don't really get, um, in, in most of the other parts of the law, we don't really get what it would have been like to have um, an introduction with the Iron Lords like this to be inducted into the Iron Lords. We know that there is um, the main group and then there are um, more the outliers um, going on, but we don't really um, get that chance before now to see this happen. And it's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting to see the back and forth between um, Tamir, Radagast and Felwinter. Felwinter at this point is obviously very, it, he's unsure about the Iron Lords, but he can already start, you can already see that he sees the potential that they have and he wants the protection for his people, what has, what has eventually at this point become his people. Um, mm-hmm. 
to um, almost live up to the um, the call to the call to action that Arthi gave him at this point. Um, and he's 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 known about Siva. He wants to find what um, Siva is, what Siva does, and he knows that the Iron Lords are his best bet to doing that. He's using them in that aspect as yeah. much as getting the protection for his people and aligning himself to a cause if that he, as time goes on, he, he definitely, he feels more and more strongly for, but at this point he just, he wants the protection for his people and he wants to use their resources to find Siva to help humanity as a whole. Yeah. I definitely think it's more of, it starts out as a, I'm going to use this as a way to protect my people. And then it turns into, well, I can use this to help give me the ability to go further and find more of these bunkers and use their resources as well. It's definitely a give and take, even though the Iron Lords don't necessarily know what all they're giving in that respect. Like They know that they're helping him find it, but they don't know why or anything like that, I don't think. Just the concept of it. Okay. Blue, do you have anything on the Iron Lords card? No. Okay. So, the lure. Fell winter and fell spring did most of their searching alone. It was easier that way. Better that the others didn't see how the Seraph bunkers reacted to him. Better for everyone. In a bunker on the outskirts of the Cosmodrome in old Russia, Fellwinter browsed through maps of old, deactivated Golden Age facilities, looking for anywhere that might have housed SIVA or SIVA-related research. At the same time, Fellspring decrypted and searched old command records for signs of SIVA. By now, they moved like clockwork. It was almost unconscious. Hey, Fellwinter said. Got anything on Site 6? Give me the coordinates, Fellspring said. I'll look. After a moment, she displayed a section of code for Fellwinter to see. Research center, she said. There was a note of hope in her voice. Containment facility for something called Amphion Liar, do you think? I feel pretty damn sure, Fellwinter said quietly. They looked at the screen on the console, where a little red light blinked on a map next to the words Site 6. Come on, Fellwinter said. We have to tell the others. He committed the map to memory and turned to go. But but Fellspring zipped in front of him. Wait, she said. Wait a second. Wasn't that kind of too easy? Fellwinter looked around. We've been here for hours, he said, and we've been searching for years. Sure, Fellspring said, but not as long as it took to find Siddhartha Gollum. Not as long as it took to get away from him. Compared to all that, this was too good to be true. Fellwinter said nothing, and she went on, close to pleading. After everything, why would he do this? Why would he just drop this in your lap? He didn't, Fellwinter said. We found it. Fellspring didn't scare easily, but she sounded scared. He let us find it, Fellwinter. I'm almost positive. Fellwinter shook his head. No, we found it. He looked at his ghost. If anybody can get Rasputin to cooperate with the Iron Lords, it's us. We know him better than anyone. He paused. I know him better than anyone. He lowered his voice. This is it, Fellspring. This could change everything. The little red dot on the map blinked steadily like a beacon. They were still as they looked at each other, waiting. There was no real disagreement here. After all these years together, her doubts were his doubts, and his certainty was her her certainty, whether they liked it or not. 
Sometimes. I wish we'd just stay on that mountain, Felspring said finally. Alone. Me too, said Felwinter, turning for the door. But we didn't. I like how the ghost is actually right in this. How they, how it just fell into their lap a little too easily. Of course, we don't find out about that in this book. We found out about that during the mission. But Rasputin did just make it way too easy. And you see the the growth of the trust between Ghost and Guardian with this conversation. You really kind of get a feel for how they work together and how, even though it is kind of unconscious, there's still a give and take and a at least a respect for each other. I don't know if I would consider them best friends, but they definitely work together well. I don't necessarily consider them enemies either. It's not like a drifter situation here, but... She's definitely pleading for him to listen to her. So there may have been disagreements before, but they're going to go ahead and go through with it, just to, even though they neither of them really like it. Any other thoughts on this one? I mean, Amphion has a huge connection in Greek mythology. Uh, Amphion was, so there's, there's a number of little key words here. Amphion was actually the husband to Niobe, Go call back to Niobe Labs from the Black Armory, um, and he was the brother to another figure called uh, who went by the name of Zethus. And Amphion and Zethus were actually the twin sons of Zeus uh, by in Antipi. Um, and the the importance of these two characters was that they were both the founding, or they were one of the big founding myths of the city of Thebes. And the reason why they are so important is because they are believed to have in the mythology constructed the city walls that surrounded and defended the city from pretty much all their attackers. Um, Amphion was also known as a great singer and a musician. Uh, he was uh, one of the beloved of Hermes and Hermes was the one who taught him to play and gave him the golden lyre. So Amphion's lyre is right there. Um, whereas Zethus was a kind of a more hunter herdsman figure. Um, he was, he was always, Zethus was associated with agriculture and the hunt. And so his attribute was the hunting dog while Amphion's was the liar. Um, and when they, the, the way that this played out was when they were building the walls of Thebes, um, Zethus would, was like constantly having trouble getting the stones to cooperate. Basically they, he was always struggling Amphion, on the other hand, just played his lyre and the stones followed and gently glided into place. So like he, he has this He pied Piper the rocks to go where he wanted Piper. them to I mean he I mean he's no yep. Orpheus, but he's he's up there. Like I mean like you know I mean um now later Niobe would kind of get herself into trouble <laughs> because she insulted Leto, which was the mom of Artemis and Apollo and Artemis and Apollo slaughtered her children. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's, it, great it, mythology. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Amphion in, in that, in that particular myth, Amphion commits suicide. Um, but then like in a different version, Artemis and Apollo murder him along with their kids. So basically it's because, because of his wife <laughs> pissing off another God, he gets killed. <laughs> He's like, and so, it, um, and, and, uh, Zethus, Zethus actually ends up, uh, accidentally killing himself. If I remember correctly, it's like a weird twist of fate. Um, yeah, I think so. But like, 
the 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 big thing with Amphane and Zethus is like they were one of the very few uh twins like within the mythology that actually had like really big roles. Uh the other one was Castor and Pollux, which we kinda of talked about earlier. Uh they were called the Diosuri. Um and then Romulus and Remus, mm. who were, you know, Romulus and Remus yep. founded Rome. So it was just yeah. So Amphion's lyre is is a pretty strong connection back to that mythology because not only is it Amphion, but it's also his his like his aspect, his lyre. You know what would be very interesting, and this has just been foiled just with the tie in the mythology that you gave out right there, is if the Niobe Labs and the Amphion had more in connection than within Destiny. So having the uh huh, I know you I know what you're thinking. Having the uh, Amphium and the Siva aspect being a part of Ada's construction within Niobe Labs because of the connection between Clovis Bray and Niobe Labs. Right. Back and in I think Black I think Armory. the other thing yeah. is like in the same way that you see Amphion playing a liar and the stones following him, you have the same mm-hmm. kind of concept with Siva and, and that's what they're talking about in chat right now. The liar is codenamed for Siva, Dino saying that. You know, seeing to command the walls to build exactly. He's he you basically you program Siva and it you know, it happens. And so that's where the, the magic, if you will, of the liar Siva so, come into play. Would that mean Anthium is the name of the project? And Liar is the tool that was that came from it. Whether it's so like Niobe would be Niobe Labs, the name of that project mm-hmm. or that group. Well, Niobe Labs Anthem was very locked in. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that because Niobe Labs was wasn't Niobe Labs. I, I never ran Niobe Labs, so I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. That was the the one that it was like creating all the different crazy stuff, right? So yeah, I mean Niobe Labs was creating all the different Black Armory weapons. Okay, so, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is connection yeah. to Niobe and her crazy uh-huh. fertility. Yeah, yeah, just let, I'm just going to let that statement <laughs> stand for itself. You know, I'm yeah. just going to move on because, I mean, yeah, Niobe, Niobe had a bit of bit of issues with pride. <laughs> they definitely caused problems. Just, 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 a, just a little bit. Just um, a little bit. <laughs> oh, pride, pride in Greek mythology is just a problem in and of itself. <laughs> no, but, right? Uh, yeah. Oh man. But that's see that's that's something interesting as well is that um when it, when it comes to the lore of destiny in general look into Greek mythology. Yeah. It is just it is just spattered all over the place. It is everywhere. It's you know and it's actually what what one of my favorite parts is um of the Taking King. Mm-hmm. Um that first mission where we have to go to Phobos. And of course, this is happening on Phobos. Phobos being mm-hmm. the personification of fear in Greek mythology. It's like ah. Oh, Yes, <laughs> such a good so tie-in. I love it. Have you seen the mythology ties that we're getting this season? It's not exactly Greek mythology, more so no. Norse. There's a ton mm-hmm. of ties oh, yeah. to Norse mythology this mm. season. Between the ornament for Celestial Nighthawk being the three-eyed raven, uh, I can't pronounce it because it's Norse and it's not easy <laughs> because seen, they put consonants together and they go together. Just call What's it Brand for short. Yeah, Brand. Brand. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the picture that someone's, they had one with like the creepy shader on it? And they're like, who did oh, this? No. <laughs> I mean, they should put the uh, Neon Pop one on oh, it God. just for fun. Is that, <laughs> oh. 
that shader goes on everything just to make it three times more hilarious than it was before. That's like the jester's apogee is is what it is. But if you've, got, other... if you've got the Victorian Silverhawk ornament for um, Celestial Nighthawk, use that with uh, the New Age Black Armory shader. It will mm-hmm. creep you out. <laughs> I like, yeah, the Black Armory shaders just move, so those are just creepy anyway. <laughs> I love those. That's actually one of the shaders on my back wall uh, behind me in my office. But uh, no. the other tie-in to Norse mythology is actually the mm-hmm. tree in the cradle, mm-hmm. the world tree. You guess true. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any but, snakes or worms yeah. underneath it, though. Bank. Eris was there. She, mm. <laughs> so the mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. That's adding adding into the world tree part there for a second. Um, we do see that when we're going for our new uh, subclasses when we when we go to of all places, mm-hmm. Io. We're getting again seeing these Those these trioganographies and then being taken over by this dark energy, which is kind of what the pyramid, at least it kind of seems like it might be doing there. Um, so yeah, interesting. So are you ready to finish off the book, Blue? Yes, the mistake. Site six is locked down. Lord Saladin said, "We have no idea what kind of security measures are in place." He leaned back in his seat at the grand wooden table in the Iron Temple. Golden Age tech is durable. We might be walking into a trap set centuries ago. Felwinter stood nearby arms crossed. I've infiltrated Golden Age facilities before. Hasn't been a problem. The mortar has barely dried in our city walls, Saladin said. We've driven the warlords back, but they are watching. This may not be the time for risk. Leaning with his elbow on the table, Teemer looked between them. Besides, what about the Warmind? My understanding is that Siva is under its protection. Perhaps it won't take kindly to thieves. We're not stealing anything, Felwinter said. And I think I can communicate with Rasputin. It's a computer, Lady Yolder said. It'll do what it's programmed to do, no matter how clever your arguments are. Rasputin's primary directive is to protect humanity. He'll listen. He, Teemer said, smiling a little, so personal. Felwinter looked at him. And then back at Saladin. With Siva, we could build more cities. We could help more people. Passion wasn't his strong suit, but he felt it now, more than he ever had before. We could create a new golden age. He's right, Scory said. We need a new way to give back. She looked between her companions. When you go to replant a forest, you don't stop after one or two saplings. The Iron Lords fell quiet. Yolder was frowning, but frowning meant thinking. Silmar looked worried. Radagast and Timur were on his side, Felwinter knew, but the Iron Lords never did anything without consensus. The Golden Age isn't coming back, Saladin said finally. But you're right. Siva could change the lives of the people in the city. He leaned forward. It feels like a worthy risk. The others murmured among themselves, considering. Perun spoke above the chatter. Well, why not? We don't want people thinking the Iron Lords have retired, after all. Famous last words <laughs> yeah oh yeah you know what's interesting about these cards and some of the cards we've gotten but the Felwinter, the liar book in particular is you see saladin as more of a leadership role than i thought that i personally believed back in d1 because it, it always seemed like saladin was kind of the 
like a secondary kind of guy compared to Radagast, because Radagast is always considered to be higher up on the hierarchy in, in yeah. some way, shape, or form. But you really see Saladin kind of have a bigger say at the table than a lot of the other Iron Lords, though I would imagine it's still fairly even if we were to actually tier them, but it's nice to see that actually played out. Yeah, I like how Saladin plays the voice the voice of reason i guess in a way like it's almost like saladin is playing devil's advocate here like he's like okay yeah understand though this is the cost of what you're talking about like he he he's basically he's not saying no he's just pointing out you know why are we doing this like you know i i like how they have a very realistic kind of debate here about like you know okay this is the the pros and the cons teamers kind of insane everyone ignores him going back to the pros and the con like i just love how like fell winter looks at teamer and then just goes right back to salad and like he's just like <sighs> he's like i'm so dumb with this kid <laughs> i'm gonna actually shoot you this time <laughs> even though teamer's the one that actually kind of figures out oh god yeah like the secret oh, yeah. But then doesn't figure it out the secret. <laughs> He's like Cade kind of lucky, unlucky. He stumbles on the truth and is just like, ah, oh, whatever. It's fine. Yep. He just completely ignores it, He's like goes on, goes on. There is there is a little bit of leeway there where you can kind of be like, okay, yeah, sure. Um I'm gonna tell you that I don't believe that, but <laughs> I kind of think you are. And then uh, it's just not going to bother me. Like he, he kind of does seem to have that sunny disposition to an extent where he, he could have well figured out the truth and go, you know what? But you're not, you're not that. And that doesn't bother me. <laughs> <It's> a, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have loved to see him and Kay just interact with each other. Oh God. That would have been funny. There's so many characters I want to see interact with Cade. Like, Cade has become an adjective <laughs> to these characters at this point. You're very Cade-like, aren't you? <laughs> that is very true. Oh, that is very true. Um, but yeah, this this like, this like book really is, it, again, we, we get to see more interactions with the Iron Laws. We get to see them talking and having an actual debate about the, the, the pros and cons of each of the um, different options they have at this point, which is awesome. And you, and you see, you see Fairwinter, you know, and it states in it as well. You, you see him get a little bit fired up and go, no, this is, this is it. This could be the turning point. I like that we get, even just in some throwaway or seemingly throwaway lines, we get a rough time frame for when this conversation is happening, which is exactly when, not too long after that, the, the, the fall of the Iron Lords take place. The city walls had just been built they have just finished so we know mm-hmm. at this point that the um like with um with the way that the city is structured we know um what characters are taking what what characters are there in the city at the time we know what characters are inter- interacting with each other because we know roughly when this is taking place which is always really kind of interesting to me um but yeah, so it's taking place just after the city's walls have been built, and you know he's like, "Oh crap!" You know, we could actually use this to really build up the city, really fortify um, the defenses, and just re- like kickstart a new golden age. 
and it's just the whole time you're reading this, oh, well, the whole time I'm reading this, personally, I'm thinking, oh, they have no idea, they have no idea, oh, god damn it, no. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and then it all goes to hell. In a handbasket. Mm-hmm. As... Is the the what was the entry that actually had the conversation between Bellwinter and Teamer? Oh, there's, there's uh, two different ones. Is yeah, remembrance, remembrance was the one, and what remembrance was the one that we saw Fellwinter's perspective, mm-hmm. and then was it Lord Teamer? Was the it was a Grimoire card? Uh, I think, that it we was the Grimoire card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get yeah. to see that, which is good. Which is probably not long after this card, because 13, this card, The Mistake, is the final card of the Liar book. And then I think the next Mm. thing that we get is the conversation between Timur and I don't know. I think that conversation might have even been before this particular entry. You think that they hadn't told the Iron Lords yet? Well, the only reason I say that is because at the end of that conversation, Teemer points out, like, he's like, oh, look, CB, Clovis. Like, it's kind of like Felwinter kind of is like pretending to be dumb, it felt like. And and Mm -hmm. here he's like, no, I've I've entered these bunkers before. So and if he said if he said I entered those bunkers before, but then they had the conversation with Teemer. I don't know. I th- I kind of I kind of took it. The conversation went before this. I think he meant I've entered these bunkers before in the like in the uh, general. I've entered the serif bunkers before the multiple different serif bunkers that are out there. Not that he entered those specific bunkers with mm. Siva in them. Yeah, he says I've infiltrated Golden Age facilities before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It it, it definitely it definitely kind of seems like that whole conversation. Um, with Tabo that it does happen at some point before this because they know they know by this point that Rasputin has control of Siva. That um that Rasputin is directly tied with Siva, which um they well they they hadn't really known before the Laura at that point because I mean that's where he would have made that connection with Rasputin anyway. Um I I wonder whether or not um they're getting the connection with Rasputin to Siva from um, the moment where Felwinter discovers it, or if they discover something else along the way in the meantime. But um, yeah, it kind of feels like just from the general way the, uh, the conversation is, um, the conversation scripted, that it might well take place before this little meeting. I think so. Do we have any final thoughts on the book, The Liar? I liked it. Yeah. I, I just yeah, I liked I liked I liked how I liked how it expanded on something that we we already knew like you know it it, it and and this is a lot of the the stuff that we've seen a lot of recently with them is that they've taken events that are really key you know the Iron Tomb this whole situation and they back they basically reverse engineer it and so they they show us the path up to that that event that we experience that we experienced in game and they explain like all the pieces that led up to that and then and then along the way they're also seeding in you know threads that will later get pulled on which is just that's just the way Bungie does it but they i mean i don't know like i also i also really like with like the remembrance piece where we see both sides of a, a conversation you know, you see the one entry in here from Rasputin that kind of explains why he did what he did 
a little bit at least um or it gives context to why he yeah. made the decision he did and it also should like i like i was saying it also shows that he didn't just jump immediately to well we're just gonna kill him like that that wasn't the, the immediate response the immediate response was actually pretty passive like he was just like can i have it back you know like he he was he was trying to bring him back um, it was yeah. only when he was really kind of, it felt like put in a corner that he then was like, all right, well, I can't let him just wander around. Um, I don't know. I like, I like giving, you know, regardless of the bias of those perceptions, the fact that we have different perceptions of the same event, I think makes it more easy to understand what actually is happening within this game world. And also then, you know, the more we understand about what has happened, the more we can kind of get our foots, our feet under us and see where we're going in a way. And you can start seeing the parallels mm. that are being drawn and being created. The thing that I'm curious about with this book is, is our story with this book complete? Like, is the information from this book only intended for the mission of Hell Winter's Lie? Or... Is it also a setup for something that's going to happen later on in our story? Because that's another thing that Bungie loves to do is they, you mentioned they leave threads behind to be taken up later. There are a few threads they could use from this and tie it into a topic that we're going to discuss in a few weeks with the legacy web lore and actually mm. make these two work together and tie it into the the new information of Rasputin being downloaded into an engram, or at least as much as of him as he, as Jinju could get. Yeah. So there are a lot, there are a lot of different threads for them to turn into new tapestries or at least a bigger tapestry for us to see. I I definitely think that's the latter of those two. I, I see just so many connections, you know, the revelation of, Oh, a golem is an exo. Okay. Well, like, you know, what we had kind of mentioned before with uh, Dancing Viru, you know, we know there's another we know there is another reference to a golem. Now, is that a separate golem? Where is that golem? You know, like, I, I mean, chat was talking about, you know, is that golem or golem golem? Is, <laughs> is it Elsie? Yeah. <laughs> My precious. Anyways, uh-huh. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I mispronounced it. And then I got myself on a tangent. Uh is that is that golem you know is that potentially the stranger you know like there's these there's these different theories that you can just go wild on with these these pieces of confirmation that we do get and i think that i mean i hope i mean just same as same as the thing with shin i hope that we keep getting pieces of the story because by no means is this a complete story you know there's there's even with the dates even with the cards that gave us dates there were months and years between those cards you know, plenty of things could have happened that then color the decisions differently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of story beats they could very well pick up here, and not just with Bellwinter and not himself. I mean, the way um, the way Rasputin interacts with Bellwinter throughout the story is it it can seem one sided at, at at the surface, but then you delve a bit deeper into it and you start seeing. Rasputin, even even just through this more book and through the mission, is way more of a complex character than a lot of people can credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 this book really helps to show that. 
I thought it was really, really interesting um, right at the end there of that mission. It's like, oh, Rasputin's showing us where he started. You know, Rasputin's showing us basically um, a, a picture of his of himself when he was a child um, and showing that, yes, I, I, I am similar to you in this aspect. I am like you. I, I had a beginning and I grew from that and things happened and I've, I've had loss and I've had hardship, but he's showing us in the only way that he can. And it's, and it's through, it's through these moments, it's through Anna, it's through, um, you know, through this book, through the weapon um, that he kept, he kept the weapon. He kept his, his, his son's go-to <laughs> weapon. Um, and yeah. I thought, you know, that was just a really nice little, like, sweet moment. And it really helps flesh out Rasputin for me a, a lot more in, um, throughout this, throughout this all book in the mission. It just makes makes him seem just more and more, well, human, really, which has been really awesome to see. Um, yeah, and it's a nice little moment in... So, yeah, it is in the opposite of Wings, I'm pretty sure, where... You know, Felwinter has the option to leave. It's right after. It's right after this. Um, at least I I put it as right after this um, particular meeting and the mistake, where he has the option to straight up leave oh, the system. Oh yeah, you know, Obsidian Wings. And just yeah, Obsidian Wings. Yeah. Um, and he has the option to just leave, to leave it all behind. He doesn't have to go into this. It it, it is most likely a trap, and he could re- avoid Rasputin forever. And he goes, no. Even though I could do it right now, no. He has to, at that point, just do what's right. And even though he knows he most likely is going to be coming out of this, he's got to try, which is just a nice way to kind of just cap off um, the story of Phil Winter, at least timeline-wise. Yeah, I like I like that idea, actually. That that actually, I just reread that real quick, and that would that would be really kind of a nice end cap for the story. Yeah, I, I put it in the end of my video um, regarding Phil Winter's Why that he models, uh, especially in these last moments, he models for us the true beginnings of what it means to be a guardian. Yep, I was. I, I had made a note about that too. Actually, oh, sorry, Green. I was just gonna say I love one of the things you had mentioned the fact that it really shows the humanity mm-hmm. of Felwinter. The book does, and specifically, I think very much so. Felwinter still taught Rasputin about humanity through it. Even with the fact that Rasputin ends up sicking Siva on the Iron Lords and Felwinter is killed during the Iron Tomb, or we're the ones killing him, it's not impossible to think that Rasputin didn't do one final upload with the information within Felwinter and learned those final pieces of... Well, he may have had those humanity beforehand, but still had more information. And I like the... Irony seems like the wrong word, but the right word at the same time, that even when he's, air quote, rebelling against Rasputin, Felwinter is still fulfilling his purpose of teaching the AI about humanity, which requires him to learn about humanity in the first place, which, you know, is what the up until uh, Artie's entrance, that's what he was doing. And like, I I like that kind of that... (laughs) He can't escape his destiny. I mean, you know, like he he is destined to teach Rasputin what it means to be human, to be able to pass that Turing test. Um, and chats, you know, talking about like what if the key, the Kalki Golem is is Rasputin? Like what if that is the 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 experimental exit? You know, whatever. Um, 
there's a lot of ways that that could tie this story up very nicely. Um, and, you know, I do like what you just said, Green. Like, even when he's trying, it's because he's trying to become, or he's trying to protect humanity that he actually ends up teaching arguably one of the most important lessons to the AI that becomes one of the defenders of humanity or who is a defender of humanity, but almost can actually now understand why it is so important to defend humanity. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we definitely get to, we get to see that in the warm, in the warm expansion. Yeah. Like I, I am the defender of humanity. And I have no equal. And it's, um, and a lot of people definitely took that as a very lofty kind of thing to say, but you see him just really try. He's trying so hard to connect with us. And he brings he always he brings himself so low, and he, he shows us what what it is that he did, the mistakes that he made, the, he, the knowledge that he made that mistake. He knows he knows how bad of a mistake it was, but it wasn't until after it had happened that he's look. He, he says he looks on his on his tyranny and he and he weeps, and even more so I think than he did. Um, earlier when he had to make the decision to try and just get rid of Felwinter, um, he weeps at what he had to do. And you can you can always you can always feel that. You can always feel Rasputin just he's hurt, he's lost in these moments where he he loses the only thing that he's ever had that's even come close to family for him. He was the only Felwinter was the only being in the universe that could comprehend the kind of existence that Rasputin has and understand him and translate for him um, to other humans, but also translate humanity to him. And Felwinter did that well. He did that in, incredibly well, even up to his last moments. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a great place to wrap up and call it a night or, well, a day for Stasis Warrior over here. Stasis Warrior. <laughs> oh, We've there's so many things on this show. We shall name yeah. you two. Pancake. Well, my um, my um, my little girl is um, her nickname's Baby Warrior now. Every time she comes up on stream, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I like it. More like right. n- ice. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you gotta you gotta end strong with a pun oh yeah i like it it took me a second not gonna lie it is it is midnight no, here. Happens. <laughs> uh so should we uh do um shout outs yes awesome. ice warrior what do you got for us for the for this one any well, big yep, shout outs um, for us yeah, so be sure to follow me at all my social medias and stuff. I swear, I, uh, the I swear I one on um, Twitter, I swear I two hundred nine on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, man, massive thanks to you guys for having me on the show. I've absolutely loved it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and to everybody in chat who has stopped by, you guys are awesome. I hope to um, jump in with you guys um, on another yeah, another episode at some point in the future. Absolutely. We'll we'll get you back on here after the the little one is born, Elsie. So congratulations yeah. from us here on that one, since that is happening any day. For is it uh, you said second child, first daughter, or second daughter? Um, second daughter. Um, my uh, 
technically she's my first biological daughter as um my other little one Amara isn't biologically mine, but mm-hmm. she's still my daughter. So Yes. Um, that's all that matters. And, yeah, yeah. It it is. But I'm I'm very excited. And I'm really happy that Elsie hasn't decided to arrive in the middle of the podcast. That's been great. <laughs> as are we. <laughs> she's yeah. She's very considerate. It would have been your most. It would have been your wildest <laughs> and most popular episode ever. She's <laughs> like, the law has to be put aside. The baby is being born, and it's like, hey, chat, welcome the XO stranger on the stream. Oh, <laughs> oh, I need to. I need to get a plush of that thing that um, the XO stranger has in the trailer and just oh, give yeah. it to. Oh. The fish fish ghost, not a ghost, but fish drone Mm. thing that's out there. Oh, it's so pretty. And Luke said we might be able to get it. Oh, yeah. I did not see that part. That's what I'm Lupo asked him, him and he's like, well, not right now. Lupo, like, looked at the camera. (laughs) It's like, "Mm, later on, Mm. perhaps, in a year or two. Always good ideas. The things that the community gra- gravitates towards. But yeah, so major, major one for you as far as a congratulations from us and a big thank you for joining us on this one and dealing with the interesting aspect of scheduling when it comes to being in very different parts of the world. So major thank you for that and your wife for letting us steal you for three hours to record this episode. She's used to it at this point. <laughs> Oh, good. Well, I'm glad she's she's a good woman. That that's like I'm trying to think of a good way to end this. It's not going to get me in trouble. She's a good woman. We'll make it. We'll make it that. She is. She is. But yes. Uh yeah. Blue. Any shoutouts for you, sir? Uh no. Just again, big thank you to everyone who has sent us feedback. Uh, most notably, uh, Arf and Worthy D. We appreciate that. And then off, obviously, if you guys have any feedback, please let us know your thoughts. Uh, also, big thank you to everyone who has given us um feedback on the weekly lore roundup over with the Lore Network. Uh, we are glad to see the good responses, and so we're definitely going to continue doing that. Um. We were going to continue doing it anyways, but now at least I feel good about doing it. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Uh, other than that, I just want to thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast. And let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.